0: Hi, I'm Harut Markarian, and this is Mobility and Inclusion, the show where we share the powerful stories of people with disabilities and daring entrepreneurs making waves in our world. From technological innovations to best practices in business, we'll learn what it really means to live in an inclusive and universally designed environment. Welcome to a new episode of Mobility and Inclusion. I am your host, Harut Markarian, and my guest today is the great David Dixon. David is a phenomenal guy. He is, um, he's actually living with three neurological disorders, uh, superficial syndrosis, epilepsy congenital, epilepsy congenital uh, arachnoid cyst. I don't know if I said that correctly, but he is also a personal trainer, which is very cool. And he's learning American sign language. Uh, Without further ado, David, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Harut. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, it, it's been interesting. I do I have three neurological disorders, um, starting with an erectile um, cyst, uh, epilepsy, and then most recently diagnosed in 2017 was superficial sclerosis and ultra-rare neuro- neurological disorder that shares symptoms of the ms and parkinson's it's like a morph of the two so i have the best of of both worlds uh which makes for an interesting day Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i don't know i I can only imagine but uh, let's start from uh so you obviously weren't born with these right well
1: yes and no what happened uh, i was born with a congenital stenosis what stenosis is is the narrowing of a passageway. And in my case, it's the narrowing of the third ventricle. Um, Third ventricle is one of four ventricles in your brain that allow for the drainage of cerebral spinal fluid, CSF, uh, out of your brain in your spinal cord, uh, providing lubrication, a shock absorber of source, Stenosis is, like I said, a narrowing, a roadblock, if you will. And It's because of that roadblock that I started retaining an excess amount of DSL. Uh, that sets the motion what is known as hydrocephalus, where I start creating this giant mass of spinal fluid in my brain. It exerts tremendous pressure on my brain uh, and to the point that at 10 months of age, I had a tonic colonic seizure, formerly known as a grandma um, that had me escorted to the hospital. Uh, I, I was diagnosed with hydrocephalus, hydrocephalus pardon me, uh, which was Immediately identified as a critical situation, and a craniectomy was performed. Uh, there's craniotomy, which is taking a piece of the skull out to to remove yeah, cancer tumor, putting it back in, and there's craniectomy, which is get in there, release pressure, drain fluid. Uh, sometimes they put it back, sometimes they don't. My understanding with my with me is the piece of skull at the very base the back of my skull, an area known as the posterior fossa, was removed nice an x-ray. Uh well there's a dark face there. My current physician assistant who I work with primarily uh is saying to me that the bone had been put back. Uh, I've seen for myself in x rays where it appears it hasn't. He and I are actually going to have this discussion next to my CM. Um, but the point is, they go in, they remove that piece of bone, relieve pr- pressure and excess fluid, then they go in and do a third ventralotomy, which is where they drill over into the burr holes. Um, Typically, it's one I feel two little gibbets in the top of my head. Uh, they're they're about the size of a dime. Where they go in and drill and remove the bone, and then take a little stainless steel shaft, which in an half inch, probably not more than five inches long, I'm guessing, and venture down into the third ventricle. And I've I've watched the video on youtube i don't know how in the world they're doing this without uh damaging the brain with all the blood vessels, the shallow swab, if you will uh they go in and they punch a hole in the floor of the third ventricle uh to allow sufficient drainage there was a conversation about putting a vp shunt uh in place for so are problematic infected girl uh, who was in the hospital during my month-long stay? Died from complications of a shunt. Um, so I got incredibly lucky there. Uh, I was, like I just said, I was in the hospital for about a month. I was then released. The post-op evaluation uh, a month or two later. I don't remember how much longer it was. It might have been six months. I don't know. I don't. Have that documentation, but uh, according to my father, first off, was great, and off I went. Uh, I I grew up in Florida. I was a neighborhood quarterback. Um, I played quarterback and every every single down. I lived in high school. I lived a thousand feet from the beach. I owned a surfboard. I mean, I lived a perfectly normal childhood. I moved to Denver and. July of 1994. I had gotten into the the restaurant business as a food server. I was working downtown at Rooster Steakhouse, and I was a legend. I was the the most famous diner. I could sit here and go into an hour-long conversation just based on uh, household names like John Elway, uh, the entire Carl Alves, Avalanche, you he won the cup in ninety six, I mean, just amazing stuff. He lived a very normal, very fun life. And um then in May of ninety eight, I had gone up and spent the night with my girlfriend at the time at a bed and breakfast in the Twin Lakes area, which is just outside of Leadville. And we get down to my ranger where packing up to come back to Denver and all of a sudden I get hit with this chocolate this electric feeling like I've just been hit with a taser not that I ever have been but feeling like it you know and um and I'm like what in the world was that and she's looking at me like what's going on with you I'm like I don't know like that was so I sit there and Regain my composure, and we head back down to Denver. Um, a couple of weeks later, it happened again, but not as severe, but definitely an attention-getter. And then going forward, I kept having these little, what I was calling uh, anxiety attacks, that little singing feeling in my stomach that I got to reach for my keys because this is, um, prior to cell, phone, or cell phones, even. Um, I get to reach for my keys and they're not there, or you get out of your car and you your just your keys in there. There's a little seeking that like, uh-oh kind of feeling. And um, I wasn't understanding of my rocky RockyCon, girlfriend, work, all this stuff. So I didn't think about it. So that went on from May of 98 until... Um, February of '02, I was in the gym. I was working out. My girlfriend at the time. It was like six o'clock in the morning, and I have that that sinking feeling. Then there's a, another level and another level. But I get to stage two, and I decided to go sit down and just let it pass, like they always do, and go about my business. And um, next thing you know, I wake up on a stretcher. My neck's in a brace and I'm looking up the ceiling and I'm freaking out like, what's going on? And I'm speaking a language that they can't understand. I can't understand them. <laughs> they try to wheel me into a elevator first. And I'm like 235 pounds at a time, mostly muscle. And I throw my feet up on the door jams and I'm fighting these guys tooth and nail about getting me in an elevator and not telling me what's going on. I'm taking the University of Colorado Hospital where I'm diagnosed with epilepsy. So, these anxiety attacks, as I had labeled them, were actually what are known as focal seizures, meaning focus, uh, starting and staying in one part of my brain, mm-hmm. whereas a tonic, a tonic, colonic or grandma as most people know them it's something that goes global it starts in one spot and then it evolves and encompasses the entire brain which is what happened that morning so i'm diagnosed in an epileptic place on medication and off i ride into the sunset i had three or four uh breakthrough tonic-clonic seizure fortunately i was never uh, behind the wheel of a car or out in public even. Um, so that was good news, getting good fortune once again. And then finally, fast forward 15 years in 2017, I said to my doctor, I said, you know what? I'm sick of being uh, epileptic. Can we just go in and remove the piece of small function and, and get rid of this? And he's like, "Well, we can certainly take a look and put you into a, a surgery workout." So the first thing they do is they put me into the epilepsy epilepsy monitoring unit (EMU), and they take me off of all medications. Um, EEG sensors all over my head, wrapped in the bandage Pardon me, and then it. Um, one well, of the first things they do is an MRI brain scan, and a part of what they got from the brain scan is an accumulation of iron deposits globally on my brain. Uh, the bulk of which are in the posterior fossa, which is again is the, the lower rear portion of your skull, uh, which is also home to your cerebellum, uh, what's known as the mini brain. And it is they keep finding on a daily basis more and more uh, things that it does it controls even emotions. What I heard, Uh, so my cerebellum is is just coded, and it's caused I'm I'm in what's known as um, cerebellar ataxia, which ataxia. It's just a degenerative condition, and it affects coordination, balance, hearing, all these things, which are my primary symptoms. So at that point, that was 17. uh, Part of the workup is they need to find out, am I currently bleeding? I go and have a lumbar puncture. I'm not currently bleeding. Uh, and I go through a series of tests, and we get to would have been took them took almost a year actually, to finally sit down with my uh, neurologist. He goes along well, and he goes, here's the situation, David. He goes, my job is to improve people's lives. He goes, at this point, there's really nothing I can do to improve your life because you have been really good life because what we're talking about doing is you having a brain surgery or based on the diagnostics we've received so far, you could go in and lose your ability to speak uh, to go from winning 90% of the time in Vegas twenty 100. He's like, does that make sense to you? Can it went down to me. i Absolutely not. So we tossed the brain surgery, uh, threw it aside, and that was in uh, the summer, would have been back down to around the summer of 18, and it wasn't, and I felt pretty normal. I, you know, I had, what's it was a drop, but occasionally, like it sounds, my right foot would drop, and I'd kind of not my heel, not my toe. But I to lived a pretty normal life. I've been a an avid weightlifter since 1988, and I was still in the gym, um, having a great time, looking and feeling great. And then in um, January of 19, it was actually on my daughter's 13th birthday. I had a breakthrough seizure, as they a tonic client seizure, and I didn't make it down to Castro to see her. I ended up in uh University of Colorado Health, Health Hospital for three days and came home. I still live alone. I'm not, that good of condition, uh, not that bad off, but as of myself. And it was About 90 days later, that things really started to escalate. My speech, my gait, my walking, my balance, all these things started to to ruin. A noticeable change that got my attention, but still to this day, uh, I do live alone. I still own the gym. And my leg workouts, I put more weight on the leg press than anybody else in there. In fact, uh, last Saturday, um, I had my two heavy sets from the leg press uh, for two sets of eight with 838 pounds. And then nobody else in there does that. And that's kind of fun because, uh, guys, you know, the things are in great shape for half my age. So, uh, I have a wheelchair now, which has become my best friend. The The genuine. Carrying people to the tracks. Nobody talks down to me. Everybody is inspired. I hear that word all the time. You know, you motivate me. Uh, I'm inspired by what I see you doing in here. And um, it, it's kind of fun It's one of those things that the key of keeping a positive attitude and being happy through all of this is embracing uh, what's what's taking place uh, the degeneration but the fact that i'm still however the types of the workouts that kids half my age will just get up and leave that there's two like Christmas press we will just get up and leave when i get in there and start really getting after it. and and i'm so sure there,
0: and i'm sure the 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 workouts that you've been doing along the along along your journey really helped you and staying oh, but, fit, staying healthy, right? It helped your several conditions.
1: Oh, without question. I've had um, my neurologist uh, since the beginning of time so I was diagnosed with epilepsy They have told me that my um, time in the gym has played a tremendous part in my staying healthy and my degenerative tract, uh, being slower than it would
0: be yeah it's, it's actually point. it's actually very fascinating that you know you've had continuous challenges uh but you still lived a very regular life in terms of uh you did you did play football you did surf right you opened the gym you opened the opened businesses you opened res- a restaurant right um yeah and so a lot of people are going through depression these days right and uh, most people didn't even go through half of what you went through so what what do you tell to these people like that are going through depression based on your experience you know because i hear you talk and i see someone who is motivated right someone who is motivated despite all the challenges that he endured along along the way so what do you, what do you say to these depressed individuals it, it, my, my
1: favorite line is: "They do your life, their soft schools as life's greatest motivators. But your your motivation—that's what happened with me. As um, I was had my own business as a personal trainer, I was focused on the deaf and hard of hearing community because I was learning American Sign Language." Um, And I've never, ever, after being in a gym uh, since 1988, I have never seen anybody, any two people, communicating with sign language. And I'm like, what a great niche to learn sign language and be someone who offered that as a trainer.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, it didn't work out that way. I had one client. Uh, and we started in January of 19, and then the gym where I was training out of just up and closed their doors May 1st. And at that point, I had reached just a little frustration, and just said, you know what, a, a big problem that was happening as a trainer, I was trying to hide it. Fear that gym owners would view me as a liability uh, and fear that the average person would um, see me, you know, lose my balance, stumble, my hands shake. Actually, that's
0: that's a very good point. I want to cut you off here a little bit just because uh, I want to touch on this point. Like you said, gym owners and potential employers, right, would have this preconceived um opinion about you without even letting you tell them or 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 show them what you can and cannot do right so yeah yeah, how do you address that
1: well the way to address that is go like i've done go and start your own company uh get your own insurance. I have an an insurance policy for me and my company and then go and find a gym that allows contract trainers. So I go in there and run my business with my own insurance out of their gym. And then my client signs a waiver that doesn't hold me responsible, that they understand that there's a potential for injury uh, in personal training. And then they sign a duplicate waiver uh, directed to Jim. Uh, you know, recognize that's, that's actually practice. very,
0: uh, very good. Like, like you said, right? Uh, if if people or employers in this case are not giving you the opportunity, one of the ways is to create your own opportunity and start your own business.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm really, really glad I'm really glad actually we're talking about this. So I have a huge entrepreneurial uh, uh, heart and mind. So uh, this is this is a really crucial crucial point because a lot of people would have, uh, you know, acted on what others have told them in terms of their abilities or disabilities. Uh whether or not they can pursue something, right? And they, that will be a limiting factor in their progress or in, their, uh, in, in the dream, in a, in a dream they have in pursuing, in pursuing their ultimate or ideal situation. So uh, they quit. They quit based on what other people tell them, right? And what I like right. about you is that, okay, you listen to what they had to say, even though what they had to say was not really smart, or was not even educated uh, or a mature conversation that can be had between a potential employer and an employee, meaning, you know, I present I'm presenting myself as an employee to to you, instead of you having some type of an idea of what I can and cannot do, you should let me show you that. Show you what I showcase what I can and cannot do. And based on that, you go make ahead. a decision, not based on what you think I can do or not, right? Yeah, so, I, I, go ahead.
1: I was told, I interviewed with a, a gentleman who owned a gym uh, and it went great, he um quick, qu- a quick um, quiz, ran through some questions, uh, what are the muscles of the rosator cuff, uh, all these things, and I would knew it, you know, point blank, very technical. And he was really impressed. And I said to him, but then I go, all right, I'm very transparent, very honest person. Let me share with you what's going on. Cause I knew it would be obvious when I, I got in there, the, the, uh, the balance, the tremors, the hard hearing. And I opened up and shared with What's going on? And by the time that was over, he's like, "Cause you know what? Here you go. I just can't hire you. You represent a, a liability to my company." Well, isn't that, that against that, the law?
0: In one way or another, that should be against the law.
1: And you know what? Now the ADA. I think that is true. I, I, which I didn't know at the time. Yeah. But I think you're right you yeah, can't I mean, deny somebody I,
0: impl- you can't deny employment because of a disability exactly exactly yeah i mean if uh and i i'm not i'm not 100 positive that it is against the law but if it's not and then it should be <laughs> that's all i'm saying uh, but <laughs> but you know that because i actually the the book that i wrote about a year ago mobility and inclusion i specifically talk about uh inclusion in the in the in, in the term that you know allow everyone to play the game right allow everyone to right. play the game and don't have uh predetermined or or uh, a, a conception of what someone can or cannot do without them telling you or showing you what they're capable of right right and that's that's something i discuss in the book uh, that's something i've discussed with other uh, other guests on my podcast and the other guests that came, that came on told me several times that yes. they were denied employment because of their physical appearance, right? right. And,
1: and that, my friend, is the book that I want to read.
0: Yeah. So anyone who wants to read the book, uh, Mobility and Inclusion, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, it's it's, a, it's uh, a very short read, very easy read. Uh, and, you know, I think there's a lot of value to, you know, to just... The information that is in there because i thought I, I talk yeah. about all the major uh, topics that surrounds accessibility universal design uh, inclusion um and you know i even talk about uh, inclusion in hollywood how hollywood is segregating and you know discriminating against people with disabilities um right. so it's it's a it's a very short and uh, informative book uh but uh, coming back it's to fine. you um so you went through all these procedures, all these surgeries, right? Uh, and these surgeries...
1: I actually, I actually had one surgery and another procedure, quote-unquote, uh, the PETA procedure, which is where um, they take a wire, insert it in your groin artery, run that wire all the way up through your body. I believe it travels through your heart. Uh, the radiologist mentioned that there was a very little plaque. That my uh, heart was in great condition. Mm-hmm. And then they get up into the base of your skull, and they're able to anesthetize your um, blow, your your brain by individual hemispheres. So they go in there and they they numb the right side, the right hemisphere and they slide me out from underneath the x machine. I've got a hold of my nose, um, fingers in this hand, speech pathologist, um, fingers in this hand, and they're testing for motor skills, you know, squeeze, yep, yep. squeeze my hand. Uh, didn't they show me flashcards, numbers, pictures, Ask me to say words like Presbyterian, uh, I mean, all these crazy words trying to decide or figure out which side of my brain control motor my hand motor skills uh memory speech all these different things and uh my speech set pathologist, who i saw a few weeks later um saw me she goes oh my god there she goes i absolutely love being there with you that day she goes when well, most people uh, uh, so often I see people just freak out or, or start bawling, crying. She goes, if you didn't know or couldn't say it or do it, she goes, you would just start laughing. She goes, it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: no, that's So, the um, was, yeah, that's, I mean, those are very um, challenging, both on you and on the operation, right? Those are very uh, challenging and they take a toll on the body at one point i assume but uh how was you know if we talk about the the surgery and the procedure and everything that you had to do for your well-being uh all this you know required money right i've required you know someone paid for this right
1: yeah well currently um i qualified because i'm Self-employed. It's a startup business. I'm not technically making money. Um, I've been on SSDI since late 2018, and I've whittled my cost of living down to the point that I can actually survive on SSDI. Don't have a car payment. Drive an older car, and um, I basically uh, save. I pay for my food, my rent, whatnot, but all my medical expenses are being paid for by Medicare and Medicaid because I'm disabled. I qualify for Medicare at particular years
0: old. Yeah, I I wanted to really uh, touch on that because, uh, you know, that's also crucial information, you know, people, people in your, in your, in your situation might, might wonder how they can uh, you know afford the surgeries or the operations or the or the healthcare that they deserve to to get right so that's right. that's something important that people need to know
1: and and i have a document that i will share with you uh created by rory uh, superficial sclerosis i'm mean, gonna you spoke yep. but she's created she's created a document uh on the, the bullet points of how to get um, approved for SSPI uh, in a timely, well, just to get approved, point blank, mm-hmm. and then to do so in a timely fashion, whereas 90 plus percent of people who apply are denied the first try, and then it can take several months or a year or more to actually get approved. And she's she gone in and got it mapped out, uh, and
0: it works. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you for yeah. offering that. I would, I would love to have that uh, document so we uh, can share with anyone who's interested in, in knowing how yeah, to, will, how to go through the proper steps.
1: I will, I will email it to you after um, we, we're done here.
0: Awesome. Awesome, man. Uh, so let's talk about uh, your, your, uh, your gym business now. Let your, so who are your target customers? I'm sorry. Who are your target customers talking about your gym and your business?
1: My focus is I live in a body that shares numerous symptoms with uh, MS patients and uh, Parkinson's disease patients. If you go and look at a list of their symptoms and then the list of my symptoms, it's like I share some of both, the best of both Mm worlds. So what I'm really, really focused on it's reaching out to those demographics—just uh, people uh, who are living in a body, or more importantly, that I'm living in a body—is incredibly similar to theirs.
0: Yeah,
1: and I'm doing it with with such great success. Mm-hmm. But then I can bring them in and show them a paradigm, a routine, um, how to perform exercises with the same systems, the balance issues, the tremors, whatnot, uh, And there's an immediate bond there, as you can imagine, uh, where they're like, oh, wow, David is shaking. You know, I've seen him step, stumble a couple of times. He's living in a body very much like mine, because he soars on occasion, but he's in such amazing shape. And that's kind of my tagline for my business, Sing is Believing. Uh, But like you pointed out earlier, uh, my having gone into this, uh, after working out since 1988, I kind of had a head start on a little bit. And working out like I do is helping to keep things in check that the average person may not have. But... That's, to answer your question, I'm kind of wandering off track. To answer your question, I'm targeting people like me, typically, MS and PD.
0: That's, that's great. So, um, yeah, any, anybody who... And are you doing online training as well? So maybe you can reach a wider audience?
1: I, I, I'm not because I don't have the tools necessary. I need to have people... Um, I, I just would be out of my element and I wouldn't have the things that the, the machines, the dumbbells, um, some of the tools that I would need to be successful. I just would be out of my element and you'd be able to feel it, to see it. However, what did happen, I went to a restaurant called Game Train uh, this past Tuesday to talk about doing a fundraiser for SSRA. And uh, went from me thinking I was going to come in and do an event for an evening, and they're like, oh, November's booked, but December's open. Let's put you in here all of December, and we'll help create an event month long. And I'm like, just blown away. But um, then that's the SSRA, and Garrett, the event manager, goes, now let's talk about number cylinder. He goes. Let's do an event for number surrender in the next week or two outside before it gets cold. And I always said that I can't do a class, you know, it doesn't work for me. He goes, like, I need a wall, all this stuff. He goes, Well, no, come here. He said, we'll go outside. And there's this real smooth brick wall painted red running down the east side of the building and there's parking spaces right in front of me, nice flat surface. So I can be against the wall using it as a stabilizer. And then I just had the thought last night of people who need stabilization can't be alongside the wall next to me, they to be in front of me, mm-hmm. parking cars parallel to the wall so they can back against the car or vehicles whatever they might be and use them as civilization uh tools and everyone then be facing me. yeah
0: yeah no that's that's great that's great and i'm glad you're uh you know you're attending that event and they found you a time in december uh yeah. so uh in closing uh you know what do you want to say to everybody that is hearing you talk listening to you or what the what motivational uh statement you want to leave them with
1: uh again make make your life's greatest obstacles your greatest motivations that's what i did i i i finally said um in may of 2019 when that gym closed down i stopped trying to hide my ss and just said You know what? I'm done hiding it. I'm gonna embrace it. I'm gonna show it off and I'm all for I'm I'm just gonna make this my motivation in life. And here I am.
0: That's great, man. And you're a living embodiment of that statement. Uh, you know, allow your greatest obstacles be your greatest motivation. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dave. It was a pleasure having you on. Uh we will be in contact, of course, and we will see you soon yeah pleasure being here thank you all right bye-bye bye this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c sweetradio.com.